0: Welcome to St. Mark's N4, a church in the heart of Finsbury Park. For more information, visit our website. We can also be found on social media too. We look forward to seeing you at one of our services really soon. Well, good morning, folk let me take this opportunity to wish you all a happy and peaceful, blessed new year. And for those who do not know who I am, my name is Sahan, my wife Sugi seated over there. And uh, before we look at this passage, I would like to raise something which I find quite puzzling, you know? I mean, there are Christians, even devout Christians, who have been, who pray for God's kingdom to come, and they probably pray it on Sunday, even during the week, and it puzzles me that having prayed that, then they go and cheer and support Arsenal, you know? (laughs) This is quite puzzling, you know? I mean, for example, if you look at what the Bible says about the kingdom of God, it says, it's a... The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if you look at it, in the kingdom of God, is a place of peace. So there are no arguments, no disputes, no conflicts, no uprising, no rebellious activities, no wars. And hence, there are no lethal weapons, no weapons of mass destruction. In short, in the kingdom of God, there is no arsenal. So, I mean, I sometimes wonder when these people get to heaven, you know, and they find there's no arsenal, what would they say? They will be probably a bit dismayed and may say to God, God, you know, we are a bit disappointed there's no arsenal here. Could we sort of go back to earth and go to Highbury where there is arsenal, you know, and we'd be quite happy there. Anyway, I thought, you know, while these folk, you know, ponder over this, Get on and look at this passage which Patience has kindly read. So, <laughs> so before I look at this passage, perhaps I would like to pray. Father, we thank you and bless you that we are able to gather here in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we acknowledge that it is your presence that makes all the difference. We thank you for your presence. And I pray, Father, that the message I deliver may be the message that you have me deliver. And if, anyway, if I get in the way, Lord, I pray for your forgiveness. And I pray, Father, you partially cause deafness so that people may not, it would not interfere with the message you would have them hear. So this we pray, Father, for the glory and the advance of the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The last time I spoke here, I spoke on Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, which is not just an act of humility. It was a statement, a statement of service. He had come to serve. In this passage that was read, he is clearly reiterating it. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Serving to the point of laying down his life, that is taking the concept of service to its very limit, a whole new level, Jesus Christ exemplified a life of service. It is very interesting here, he is on a mission to take the concept of service to its very limits, and his disciples are here jockeying for position, competing for position, position of a higher status. Sadly, something, this is something very familiar in this day and age, and even through the ages, throughout history, something mankind has been plagued with. It is human nature as a result of the fall. This is why Jesus needed to come to take away this seriously flawed human nature and give mankind with a new nature, his divine nature. With this fallen nature, why do his disciples behave like this? Because in this world, it is one's position that determines his or her status. Unlike in the kingdom of God, it is being in Christ Jesus that determines one's status, which is exactly the same for every believer, no matter how great or small they may be in the eyes of the world. It is the great leveler. In this passage, Jesus says, if you want to be great, you must be a servant. And then he says, if you want to be first, i.e., if you want to be top dog, you must be a slave of all. A slave of all. Wonder how that would go down if that was part of the brief for all those in top positions today. Wonder how how Jesus' followers heard these words. They knew the harshness of slavery, living under the rule of the Romans and having been been slaves in Egypt. And here comes a Messiah whom they saw as their savior, whom whom they wanted to free them from slavery saying, you must be a slave of all. Jesus' followers may have started wondering, whose side this guy was on? Was he on their side or on the side of the Romans? Was he a Roman plant? If these sayings of Jesus were mere teachings of his, we could sort of wink at them and pass them by. However, the reality is that they were not mere teaching. Jesus was on the greatest mission of service to rescue all of mankind from the greatest slavery, slavery to sin and death. In order to do so, he went to depths way beyond that of a slave. When he allowed himself to be completely brutalized and crucified, nailed to a cross, and finally when he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It was the completion of the greatest act of slavery, to free mankind from slavery to sin and death. Those words were not just for those who were around there. Those words for for all of mankind, for all of time. Every one of us, you and I were responsible for that brutality inflicted upon Jesus. His act of service paid the price to purchase freedom for all mankind from slavery to sin and death. So what does this mean for us? Well, every believer in Jesus Christ has been birthed by the Holy Spirit of God, who can only give birth to that which is holy. The book of Hebrews says a believer has been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And the believer in Christ Jesus becomes the righteousness of God, which you find in 2 Corinthians chapter five. That's what a believer is right at birth into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So what follows is the work of the Holy Spirit transforming the lives of the believers to reflect who they are in Christ Jesus, the holiness and righteousness of God. God says he has given the believers his divine nature. This you find in 2 Peter chapter one. So it is to be expected that the lives of believers ought to reflect this new nature In fact, the Bible says in 1 John chapter four, in this world, believers are like him, Jesus Christ, and ought to walk as he did. The walk of Jesus Christ while here on earth was a walk of sacrificial service. As we read in that passage, he came not to be served, but to serve. What does the Bible have to say about the life of service of a believer in the kingdom? As a believer continues to be transformed by the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus and to walk as he did, the life of the believer ought to reflect more and more a life of sacrificial service, the life that was exemplified by Jesus here on earth. The book of, book of 1 John in the New Testament, which says, which, says so, much about, which says so much about God's love for mankind, also says, something quite profound, perhaps even outrageous to us living in the West. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This you find in 1 John chapter 3, 6, verse 16. Surely for us in the West, this is rather extreme, fanatical, over the top, or is it? What do we do with this? What do we do with such scriptures? Do we tipex it out? Do we cut it out? Wink at it? Pass over it quickly? Well, I shall leave that for each one to work out for themselves what they wish to do with such scriptures. So we see from the scriptures the life of a believer is a life of sacrificial service. The Bible in the book of Colossians says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. It is worth noting. It says, whatever you do, which means 24-7. In other words, a life of a believer is a life of service 24-7. According to the scriptures, in the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as being in part-time service. There are no part-timers. Every believer is in full-time service. Do we really believe this? At this point, let me clearly state the 24-7 life of service of a believer is not, I repeat, not simply to please God to gain his favor, but is out of deep gratitude of a believer for being able to enjoy God's favor, wholly due to Christ's perfect and complete service of sacrifice. There is no greater favor of God man can enjoy than the favor based on the perfect finished work of Christ Jesus. Not even the favor based on the best efforts of man can compare with that. In the Bible, Jesus says something quite profound. He says he is life. It means he is life, not part of life. This formidable statement of Jesus is constantly under attack in the world we live in, where secularism says, at best, he can only be part of life, like everything else. Everything in life has its place and must be pigeonholed. This, as I said, is a constant attack on the very words of Jesus. It is worth mentioning the life of service for a believer is a service of love. It is not, I repeat, not a service of burdensome toil as viewed by the grumbling workers in the vineyard Jesus spoke about in his parable of the workers in the vineyard. Yes, there will be times when the service of love will be tough, even very tough. However, due to its eternal significance, God being with the believer in it and the joy set before the believer, he endures the hardship and presses on. After all, this is what Jesus exactly did, enduring the greatest hardship and suffering for the joy that was set before him. Even now and also through the ages, believers are enduring and have endured much hardship and suffering willingly as they saw their lives of service have divine and eternal significance. One only needs to look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul saw himself as an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ, an ambassador here on earth represents the country he or she is a citizen of, and does it not five days a week, from nine to five, but seven days a week, 24 hours each day, just even during out-of-office hours. In fact, an ambassador is never out of office. In the same way, every believer, as a citizen of heaven, is an ambassador of Christ, and we represent him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whatever we do, wherever we are, whoever we are with. At this point, I would like to look at a phrase that means the same as to serve, and that is to minister. Although they are the same, they have different connotations. To serve is often perceived as something physical, Such as doing the tea and coffee, washing up, keeping the church building and toilets clean, meeting the physical needs of people, etc. On the other hand, to minister is perceived as something more spiritual, such as preaching, teaching, prophesying, pastoring, leading a church, leading worship, etc. Sadly, man has recreated a hierarchy which was there under the old covenant, which Christ Jesus came to do away with. If you serve, you have a lower position and status. If you minister, you have a higher position and status. More value is attached to ministry than to service. Sadly, the word minister has become a label, a label to denote a higher position, with a higher status, a position of power, You have the prime minister, the cabinet ministers, the ministers of this and that. In the Christian faith, there are those who are categorized as being in full-time ministry or referred to as those in the ministry. They are actually in what is called occupational ministry, which is a form of ministry, not what it is perceived as the ministry. I was recently reading a... I was recently reading, uh, reading about a man in a church who realized there were many in the church who were struggling to cope with the cost of maintaining and running a car. So with a few technical-minded people in his church, he opened up a not-for-profit garage that repaired and maintained cars at minimal cost. This service became very popular. More and more people started using it. And then he started a weekly Bible study in the garage, which rapidly, which rapidly more and more of his clients started attending. One day someone in the church told him, you should be in the ministry, to which his reply was, I am already in the ministry. I remember once a church pastor telling me the highest calling of God was a calling into the ministry. He, of course, was referring to his calling into the ministry. In effect, what he was saying was, his calling was higher than that of mere believers. So he had a higher elevated position and hence status in the kingdom of God than mere believers, who as it is perceived are not in full-time ministry. I started with the life of service Christ Jesus exemplified and then went on to the life of every believer that ought to reflect more and more a life of service as they continue to be transformed to be more like Jesus, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, which is the work of the Holy Spirit in every believer. In order to not hinder the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, every believer needs to believe they are in full-time service in the kingdom of god 24 7. they are all royal priests by royal appointment of king jesus they, all, they are all ministers and they're all in the ministry the question is do we dare to believe this for as the bible says in the book of proverbs as a man thinks so he is If we don't believe this, the danger is we will accept that only those in occupational ministry are those in full-time ministry and need to uphold the higher standards of Jesus Christ. And mere believers can settle for a lower standard. In conclusion, may I say this? Let us not allow what we may feel, what we may think of ourselves, what we do or don't do, define who we are. Let only what Christ Jesus and he he alone has accomplished through his perfect life of sacrifice define who we are. May I reiterate, every believer is a royal priest, a full-time minister in the ministry. May this not be just a label, but the very lives of every believer in Christ Jesus. For may we do away with the misconception that believers who are seriously committed Christians are in what is called full-time ministry, which, as I have mentioned, is occupational ministry. Every believer is in full-time ministry, not just at Christian or church events. Whether a believer functions as one in full-time ministry or not is determined by whether one actually believes that or not. Once again, as Proverbs says, as a man thinks, so he is. So, maybe moved by the Spirit's, so maybe moved by Christ's love and compassion, willingly submit to the work of the Holy Spirit of transforming us to be more and more like Jesus so that our lives reflect His life, a life He exemplified, a life of sacrificial sacrificial service. And also, I'd like to just add this one thing to avoid any. Misunderstanding. By no means am I knocking occupational ministry or anyone in such a ministry. I'm here to encourage every believer to believe and take to heart that they are, from day one, ministers in full-time ministry so that we may function as those Amen.